0: You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again. That picture... Has absolutely nothing to do with anything I'm talking about this morning. I just, I just wanted to encourage you all for a second. Because be honest. You, you cannot look at that picture and not smile just a little bit. Am I right? That is my two-year-old grandson, Levi. One of my grand, one of my four grandsons so far, being Superman or something. I don't know. Suffer the little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. All right, that's enough of that. You can take that down now. Those of you out there wondering, you know, who and what I'm doing up here. Uh, I'm Steve Ellis. And my wife and I have been coming to this church for over 20 years now. Hard to believe. I used to be an elder here once upon a time. Not anymore. Now I just feel elder Eight days ago, eight days ago, I turned 60. It's hard to even say that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, because some of you, yeah, are thinking, so, you know, like, big deal. You're 60. La-di-da. And, you know, and I get it. You know, you'd be right. It, it is just another day. But it's a bit of a milestone for me. You see, I am now 10 years older than my father was when he passed away. And double the age of my older brother when he breathed his last. So I am getting a little more conscious of the passing of time goes. Because you young people, those of you in your, your 20s and 30s, I, I guarantee you, when you think about the next phase of your life, when you, when you think about your tomorrows, you don't picture yourself 60 years old. You, you can't do it. Go ahead, try it. it. It doesn't work. I mean, when I was your age, I, I couldn't. I mean, when I thought about my future, about as far down the road as I could get in my mind's eye was, I don't know, like 40, 45, somewhere in there. I certainly didn't picture this. But here it is. And it's got me thinking. Because, you know, if you're anything like me, you you, you, you hear something, you, you might read something in the Scripture, you, you hear a sermon, you might even sense a prompting from the Lord. And more often than not, you're like, yeah, I know, I know, I'll, I'll get to that, I will, I'm, I'm going to do that someday, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you know, because like almost every week, somebody's up here. Haranguing us, right? You know, join a a small group, you know, a life group. Uh, get involved in a ministry. Use your gifts in some way. Uh, you know, come to celebrate recovery. Go on a a short-term missions trip. Get involved. And that's, sometimes it probably feels a little like nagging. I mean, just two weeks ago, as Mike was talking, we had our missions conference. Tony Rodriguez was up here. It was a, it was a phenomenal morning. And the theme of the message was, what are you waiting for? Remember that? What are you waiting for? Because I say this with all the honesty and love I can muster. The day is going to come. And you wake up. And all those tomorrows you're thinking about, that's Yesterday so teach us to number our days psalms 92 that we might apply our hearts to wisdom amen may we be a people who redeem the time making the most of every opportunity ephesians 5:16 so since we are a people who make the most of every opportunity let's get into the word open your bibles Mark chapter 7, we're going to be looking at verses 24 to 30. We'll also spend some time in the parallel account in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. So if you want to keep a finger there, but we'll we'll be in Mark chapter 7 most of the time. If you've got your Bible, open it up. If you uh, don't have a Bible, you'd like one. Uh, the ushers are coming down the aisle. Just raise your hand. They'll give you a loaner uh, you can use this morning during the service. Uh, we just ask you just leave it on the seat at the end when you're done. Uh, Mark chapter 7, would you stand with me and let's ask the Lord's blessing upon his word this morning? For this is the very word of God, amen? The thoughts of God revealed. You know, there are uh, tax dollars and donations that go to an organization called SETI, have you heard of it? S-E-T-I, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. It's an ironic thing. You know, they've got satellite dishes pointed to the heavens all around the globe just listening, searching for a a sign, a clue, a radio wave, some sort of evidence of a higher life form out there somewhere. When the evidence is right under their noses the entire time. This is an extraterrestrial communication, a message from another world. It lays out history in advance. It it teaches us the purpose and meaning for our existence and how we are to live. And God wants us to hear it. Let's pray. Right. Father God, we just ask Your blessing upon our time this morning. We ask that Your Word would go forth in power. Lord, we know You alone have the words of truth. Lord, and... What a powerful name. And the name of Jesus is on every page of this book. Types and shadows. The message of the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, bless our time this morning. Lord, we just ask that You will meet needs, whatever they may be, wherever they are throughout our group this morning. We just ask that Your name be lifted up for Your glory and our blessing. In Your name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter seven, verses 24 through 30 record an interesting encounter between the Lord Jesus Christ and what the writer describes in verse 26 as a syro woman. She's not a Jew. She's a mix. Part Syrian, part Phoenician. Today we would say Syrian and Lebanese. So right away we get a little clue. This woman is an outsider. She's not part of the club. You know, because the the Jews of that day were a fairly exclusive bunch. They were. They they basically shunned outsiders. The sad thing was, instead of being the light to the world that the Lord had intended, it had become more like, well, we have the truth and and you don't. They didn't intermarry and and they looked down on anyone who wasn't Jewish, that didn't follow their, their customs and their practices. As a matter of fact, there's a a morning prayer recorded in portions of the Talmud where a man would begin every day thanking the Lord that he wasn't born a Gentile or a woman. She's both. And in that culture, women had no standing. They couldn't own property. They weren't even supposed to initiate a conversation with a man in public. You know, you still see that in in some parts of the world, even today, believe it or not. But that all changes when the Lord shows up. Because the message of Jesus is liberating. Everywhere the gospel of Jesus Christ goes around the world, people are freed and empowered. The gospel of Jesus has done more politically, socially, economically For the cause of equal rights for women and minorities and the marginalized and the oppressed than any movement in all of history. If there's one thing we know about Jesus, it's that he transcends culture. He's not one to get caught up in tradition and he he certainly doesn't care much for man-made rules. So don't, don't try and put him in a box. Verse 24 tells us that this encounter takes place on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea in what is modern-day Lebanon. Jesus and His disciples have journeyed about 40 miles north of Capernaum in Galilee to a little seaside cottage for some R&R. And He doesn't want anybody to know He's there. But the word gets out. Paparazzi, you know, they're everywhere. Even then, you know. The first century Twitter network was up and running. He's over here! And this woman shows up. Verse 25. Whose daughter has an unclean spirit. She's demon-possessed. That, by the way, is not a euphemism for some psychological disorder. This little girl is not manic. She doesn't have ADD. Her spirit has been overcome by the powers of darkness And her mother is desperate. And she comes to Jesus without an invitation, begging Him to help her. Verse 26. The verb here is a present progressive. It means she kept on begging. So much so that the parallel account in Matthew chapter 15 tells us His disciples asked Jesus to send her away because she was being such A nuisance. She's following them around. Lord, help me. Jesus, Jesus, help me. Lord, Lord, please. And His disciples are annoyed. Send her away. She's she's shouting after us. Jesus' first words are recorded in Matthew 15, 24. He speaks but He doesn't really answer His disciples or her. He simply says, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. At this point, she falls at His feet and continues to plead with Him, Lord, help me. And you know why. It's her daughter. You know, there are cowards and heroes, real people and celebrities, and then there are mothers. This woman is not giving up. If you ever had one of your children in trouble, or in danger, or, 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 or under attack, or being abused, you understand the travail of this woman's heart. She's begging him. She can't fix this. And finally the Lord answers her. What's his response? Verse 27. He said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now stop right there. Because when I first read this passage... I thought to myself, what? Wait a minute. Did Jesus just insult this one? Did he just call her a dog? I mean, that that doesn't sound like the Jesus I know. I mean, you know, I know in the that culture, the Jews sometimes referred to Gentiles as dogs, but but come on. Jesus is the last one to get caught up in these kinds of cultural prejudices, right? I mean, this woman's daughter is suffering, and she comes to him in absolute distress, begging for his help. He's the merciful, compassionate, faithful son of God, the great comforter. And he's like, nah, it's not good to throw the children's bread to the dogs. Seriously? First of all, I don't think that's how he said it. But secondly, Understand this. Second Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed, inspired, profitable for teaching and correction and training in righteousness. Every word of it. So when you come to something in your Scripture that makes you sit up and say, wait a minute, what is that? I guarantee you, there is more there than meets the eye. You've got to peel back the layers. The word used here is n- not the word for wild dogs that Jews use to describe Gentiles. It's the uh, it's the Greek word kunarion. It literally means little puppies, family pets, not the street scavengers. But even so, this is just an allegory. A metaphor. An, an illustration Jesus is using to make a point, And she gets it. We only have the text. Okay, we, we weren't there. We didn't look into Jesus' eyes. We didn't see his facial expression. We didn't hear the tone of voice in which he said it. But I guarantee you, he is not Insulting her. He's testing her. What do you really know? Do you understand the Scripture? Do you really know who I am and why I'm here? Or are you just here for the goodies? He's not insulting her. He's testing her. And she doesn't take offense. What's her response? Verse 28. She says, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I, I I know. I know. you You have come as the Messiah to the nation of Israel. But even the little dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from the children's table. If you have a dog and you've ever fed a kid in a high chair, you know that's true. She takes the very same analogy Jesus is using and, you know, little puppies waiting under the table for some crumbs to fall and uses it to express a powerful truth and reveals the depth of her understanding and, and he's impressed. She's actually expressing a doctrinal truth here. You see, in the Old Testament, God dealt with the world through the nation of Israel. They're the children at the table in Jesus' metaphor. Jesus' statement that he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel is true. But this woman understands something more about the promises of God and about who Jesus was. It was his earthly mission. To come to the nation of Israel, to present himself fulfilling the promises of the Messiah and present himself to the nation as the Bashiach ben Yosef, the suffering servant. And that's exactly what he did to fulfill the promise. As a matter of fact, this is the only recorded instance in the New Testament Gospels where Jesus journeys outside the land of Israel. During his entire ministry. He came to the Jews. But his message was for everyone. What did God say to Abraham in Genesis chapter 2. When he said to him. The Savior is coming from your lineage. He said in you. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. What did the angels say when they announced his birth Luke chapter 2 verse 10 For behold i bring you good news of a great joy that will be to all people Jesus himself after his resurrection tells his disciples go therefore preach the good news to all nations Matthew 28:19 The message of the love of Jesus goes out to everyone. His primary earthly ministry was to the nation of Israel, but the day of Pentecost was not very far away. An explosion of the Spirit of God on the entire world. And since that day, God has been dealing with the world primarily through the church. This woman just wants some early crumbs. We are his ambassadors, the light to the world. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul called the church a great mystery. Hinted of in the Old Testament scriptures, but they didn't see it coming. But now it was revealed. And in verse 6 of chapter 3, he says, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers in the promise in Christ through the gospel. That idea was absolutely revolutionary to the Jews of that day. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul was blown away by the benefits you and I have in Christ Jesus. The reality that salvation comes through faith in Christ alone and nothing else, not good works, Not going to the temple every year. Not rules. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in every believer. What a blessing. The Old Testament Jews didn't have that benefit. They did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He showed up in pillars of fire and and clouds of lightning and, and came on people selectively like Samson or David and the prophets. I mean, Jesus Himself. Talked about the importance of the Comforter coming who will guide you unto all truth. It's the Spirit of God that opens our eyes. And His presence was made possible in our lives through what Jesus did on the cross. And this woman knows what's coming. Trust me, we're getting more than just the crumbs from the table. We're getting the whole meal. And then some. I wonder, when she answered him, did Jesus keep a straight face? Or did He crack a smile? Just a little bit. Because you know He's pleased. What does He say? Matthew chapter 15, verse 20, it records His response. Look at what He says. O woman... Great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. Oh, woman, great is your understanding. You know, most of the time in the Gospels, we see Jesus going around chiding people for their lack of faith, right? Oh, ye of little faith. I mean, how many times did He say to His apostles, don't be afraid. Come on, guys. I mean, in, in just the last chapter of Mark, chapter five, they, chapter six, they record the the feeding of the five thousand in Galilee. And at the end of the day, Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. His disciples get in a boat to to go across the lake. The wind comes up. They're not getting anywhere. The waves are getting higher. Jesus comes walking to them on the water, and they're freaking out. And he has to tell them, "Take courage. Don't be afraid." It is I. He gets in the boat. The wind dies down. The waves calm. And they're like, no way. And it says in verse 52 of chapter 6, for they had not learned anything from the incident of the loaves like four hours ago. A bunch of stone-headed, dense, slow learners like me like me how many times does the lord have to tell us don't be afraid take courage go in my name don't worry <laughs> you know there are uh... Without faith, it is is impossible to please Him. Hebrews 11 tells us that, right? But faith is more than just believing in Jesus. Faith is understanding and believing and living the Word. All of it. There are two recorded instances in the New Testament Gospels where Jesus commends someone for their faith this is one and the other one is the uh, roman centurion in luke chapter 7 are you familiar with that story he was the uh, the roman centurion in charge of the in charge of the garrison at capernaum and he and he had a servant that he loved who was dying some kind of sickness and the jews the elders of the jews come to jesus and they say this is a really good man. He, he's built us a synagogue and he, and he loves his servant. Can you, can you do something for him? Jesus starts to head his way. And the centurion sends a messenger. He says, Lord, don't, don't trouble yourself. I am not worthy for you to even come under my roof. Just say the word. And it will be done. For I too am a man under authority. I say to one, come and he comes, another, go and he goes. You notice he said, under authority. You know, because most people, they, they get a little power, they get a little position, they get a little influence. They like to think of themselves as what? In authority. Not this guy. He says, my men do my bidding because I carry the standard and the signet of the empire of Rome. And I see that in you, Lord. There's a a power behind you. He understood that dynamic. How many times did Jesus say, I come not to speak my own words. I come to speak the words the Father has sent me to say. I come not to do the things on my own initiative. I come to do the things my Father has sent me to do. I come in the name of the Father. And this guy understood that dynamic that, that Jesus was the very emissary of God Himself. And it says, Jesus marveled. He turned to his disciples and said, I I have not seen such insight, such understanding, such such faith in all the land of Israel. What do you got to do to make the Son of God marvel? I mean, you know, he's seen a lot, right? Interestingly enough, the two recorded instances in the New Testament Gospels where Jesus commends someone for their faith, they're both Gentiles. Similarly, this woman. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. I guarantee you, she runs all the way home. Her feet barely touch the ground. She, she gets to her house. She goes in the room, finds her daughter lying on the bed in her right mind. No longer under the bondage of that demon. Oh, what a moment that must have been. You imagine the joy of this woman's heart. More than a few tears were shed, I am sure. Because Jesus saves from the power of sin and death. Little puppies waiting under the table for... The crumbs. You know, part of me wishes that uh, you know the Lord had chosen a different metaphor uh, to describe me, because uh, you know, I mean, I love my yellow lab. I, I just don't really want to be him. You know, my wife probably wishes I was sometimes, though. I'd I'd, I'd likely be more well behaved at times. You know? Sit, sit. But you know, hey, if it if it gets me some crumbs from the master's table. I guess that's alright with me. Hey, you know, if you have a problem being compared uh, metaphorically to an animal, you're going to have some trouble with Scripture. What does it say in Isaiah 53.6? All we like sheep have gone astray. A bunch of dumb animals. Every one gone his own way. And yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, before we close, I just want to point out a couple of things about this passage. First of all, Jesus is teaching us to abolish all prejudice. We are one in Christ Christ. We are one in Christ. This woman had every bias of the day working against her. She had none of the credentials necessary to approach a Jewish rabbi. She's a Gentile. She's a woman. And her daughter has an unclean spirit. By every standard of that day, she had no business being there. But she didn't care. And neither did the Lord. We are one. In Christ, there is no distinction. And people, we are all being transformed. We are all becoming the same thing. Second Corinthians 3.18 For you and I are being transformed into His image. The image of Christ. Every experience, every encounter, every, every step along the way is part of that process. God's goal for you and me is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds into the image of His beloved Son to better reflect Jesus if we're doing it right. Every single one of us. There is no place for prejudice in the house of God. Number two, there is power in persistence. There is power in persistence. You note the the persistence of the woman in this story and her boldness, her doggedness. She kept at it. She kept asking. She doesn't give up. Even gets in a little verbal repartee with the Lord. She wrestles. With him. You know, believe it or not, like he did with Jacob, the Lord wants to wrestle with you. He does. He wants to get you in a headlock and give you a little noogie. Metaphorically speaking, there is something about the intensity of the engagement that pleases him. So don't quit. Ever. My wife and I just finished watching uh, the first season of The Crown on Netflix. Anybody, anybody seen it yeah. It's, I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. It's about the rise of Queen Elizabeth to the throne after uh, post-World War II and all the political and social intrigue in the royal family and all that juicy stuff. It's, it's fascinating. It really is. I'm, I'm actually learning a lot. And uh, John Lithgow plays Sir Winston Churchill in the series, uh, the great English statesman. A bit of an egotist, but you know, a a, a powerful orator, a, a, a powerfully motivational and inspirational guy. And one of his famous speeches ends with this, never give up, never give up, never, 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 give up. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary in doing good. 2 Thessalonians 5:17 Pray without ceasing Proverbs 24:16 A righteous man falls seven times and gets up again but the wicked man stumbles in adversity Don't lose heart Keep at it Finally Jesus love teaches us that his Jesus teaches us that His love is for all people everywhere. You know, the message of the Gospel is so simple a little child can understand and respond. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that message goes out to the whole world. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. A powerful truth wrapped up in a simple Sunday school song. You know, Jesus doesn't love everything we do all of the time. But you are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the power of the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank You for Your saving grace and Your great mercy. We thank You for What you did in the life of this Gentile woman and what you are doing in each one of us. Lord, may we may we have faith to persevere. Lord, may we work daily to be transformed into your image. May we understand there is no distinction. This is one body. Christ the head. And Lord. Encourage us and keep us faithful to do your work here on earth as your message continues to go out to the entire world. In your name, that the name of Jesus be lifted up and glorified. For your glory, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Steve. Powerful. Good message.